0: Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, I read verses 1 through 13, Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live." title of the message this morning, The Normal Christian Life, The Normal Christian Life. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege you have to open your precious word. And I pray, Father, as we look into the word of God today, that our hearts would be open and receptive to it. We allow the, your blessed Holy Spirit to speak to us through, your, through his word for our good and for thy glory. We do pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, what many consider the normal Christian life is to believe in a Jesus, go to a meeting once a week, to be motivated by an inspirational speaker and how to be a better person and how to love everyone. How to be successful, have a winning attitude, and influence people. I'm afraid that's what most quote-unquote Christians, consider the normal Christian life. The Bible teaches us that the normal Christian life is somewhat different than that. It's a life of resting in the sacrifice of Christ and being led by His Spirit. Of course, most people don't have a clue what it means to be led by the Spirit. You know, It may mean speaking in tongues. It may mean a whole multitude of things, which are not biblical. But this morning, by the grace of God, we're going to look at examine this thing. What the Bible says is a normal Christian life. I have three main points, none sub subpoints. First of all, the normal Christian life is a life of resting in the victory of Christ. In verses one through four, he says, "There is therefore now, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit." There is now no condemnation. We are free, we are free from sin's wages. We know the Bible says in Romans six twenty three, For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now we are free, we are, we are not, no longer condemned, no longer under the, the damnatory sentence of sin, which is death, separation from God for all eternity. That's what it is. But we are no longer under that. We're no longer under it. And he says now. There is no condemnation. And you notice it says to them which are in Christ Jesus. The key word here is in. In Christ Jesus. Jesus said John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. He's passed from death unto life. We're free from the law. Happy condition. Jesus has bled and there is remission. Grace has redeemed us once for all. We are... No longer under the condemnation of the law. We're not condemned. We're all, uh, when you notice also, it's Christ that gives us this life. It's not of ourselves, it's Christ. And again, the key word here is in. In verse 2, he says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. See, the law says, Curses every man that continueth not. Points written in the book of the law to do them, and so we are under the curse of law. But Christ is, who's the Spirit of life in Christ, hath made us free. He took our sin. It's not you know this life is in Christ. It's not just know about Jesus or heard about Jesus or believe about Jesus. It's believe in Jesus. In John chapter 1. And we have to believe that He is the life. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. You see, in Him was life. In Him is life. John 10. In verse 27, uh, John 10, 27, I'm sorry, John 10:10. 10, 10, we'll start there first. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy, I am come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. In verse uh, 15, again, as the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And then again in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. You see, in him is life. This spirit of life, this life is in Christ Jesus. You know, Jesus said, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. And he is life. 1 John, chapter 1, John again, writing in his epistles, says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Again in chapter 5 of 1 of John he says uh, in verse 10. He that believeth on the, on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. Of course that's referring to the Holy Spirit. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of the Son. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. See, it is Christ that gives us this life. And so if we are in Him, we cannot be condemned because Christ cannot be condemned. We have passed from death and life. That word passed there in John five twenty four means to depart from one place to another. It's not just an improved standing. It's a changed standing. It's a changed standing. You know, we are in, we, the Bible says we are in Him. The Bible calls Him our head. You can't acquit the head and condemn the hand. We're in his hand. So, like, you can't drown your foot when your head's sticking out of the water. You see, it's Christ that gives us life. And we are uncondemned if we're in Christ. I want you to notice the third thing. But in Christ, we fulfill the righteousness of the law. You know, I thought during Sunday school class this morning, you know, one of the things Paul was accused of over and over again was forsaking the law of Moses. No, we fulfill the law of Moses by believing in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ kept the law for us. He fulfilled the law for us. Notice verse 2 again, verses 3 and 4. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Now there was nothing wrong with the law. It, wasn't, it isn't saying that the law was weak. The weakness is our flesh. Because our flesh could not keep the law. The law was good. You know, Jesus, or, or Paul said in, in chapter 7, verse 12, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, just and good. So the law was good. The pro, no problem with the law. The problem was with our flesh. We couldn't keep the law. It was the weakness of the flesh that was the problem. But... God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He was made like us. He took upon Himself a body, though without sin. He did not have a sin nature. He didn't didn't get His blood from Mary or from Joseph. It was the blood of God. His his blood was not tainted with sin. That's a whole other study in itself, but that is the truth. And, And so, He did not have a sin nature... But he did have flesh, he he, he was a man, uh, so he's made in our likeness. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So he, by his death of his body, he he, he died in our place. But through his body also, he was a perfect sacrifice for sin. Notice verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So when, so when we receive Christ as our sacrifice for sin, we are fulfilling the law. Really what you're saying is, you know what? The law is true. The law is right. I'm guilty. And I deserve to die. But I'm accepting... The one who fulfilled the law, who kept the law on my behalf. He paid my my debt to the law. Therefore, through him, I keep the law. Through him. We call this substitution. He was our substitute. He, the Bible says here that he condemns sin in the flesh. That means he deprived sin of its power and broke its deadly. It is by the offering of Jesus Christ who offered himself without spot, without blemish, that we are accepted as a child of God. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And verse 10 says, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest daily ministering and oftentimes oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away of sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down in the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies he made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them That are sanctified. So by his offering. He he met the righteous demands. Of the law of God. He satisfied God's. Justice if you will. With one sacrifice. Of himself. Now there's no need to go back to the temple. God's through with the temple. After Jesus Christ offered himself. God was through with the temple, sacrifices. And when we are in Christ, God is satisfied with us because of his son, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice for our sins. Look, go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 speaks of this as well. Verse 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons into glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth, and they who are sanctified are all one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I would declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. In other words, he took our flesh, he didn't take our blood. Our blood is what's tainted with sin. That, and so he likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. So you know, he became a sacrifice for us, and through his death he delivered us from the bondage of sin and of death. Your 1 John chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 says he he is the propitiation for our sins. The the word propitiation, a a simple definition would be satisfied. He satisfied or he was the atonement for our sins. Isaiah 53 says that he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. God God was never satisfied with bulls and goats. They were only temporary. And they had to be offered continually. When Christ gave his offer himself. Without blemish and without spot. It satisfied God's law. Once and for all. Once and for all. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. That we might be made. The righteousness of God. We're made the righteousness of God in him. You know, a good illustration of this is over in Zechariah 3, 4, when the angel of the Lord is speaking to, to Joshua the high priest, and it says, he says this, And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thy iniquity to pass from thee. And I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. See, God, through Christ, takes away our sin and gives us his righteousness. And we need to rest in the victory that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not condemned. We know Christ as our Lord and Savior. So it's a life of victory in Christ. Secondly, normal Christian life is a life of walking in the power of the Spirit. Notice verses 5 through 11. Walking in the power of the Spirit. Verses, verse 5-11 through 11 says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life in peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now he talks here about being carnal minded or spiritual minded. You know, to be carnal minded, the word mind or minded is used here Four times in these couple verses, and it basically means to direct one's mind to a thing or what one seeks for or strives for. You know, you know to seek one's interest or advantage. You know what what one has in mind, what his thoughts and purposes are. are. is he you know is he minding or thinking after the things of the flesh, or are we thinking after the things of the spirit? Is our mind set on the things of this world and the things of the flesh? Or is our mind set on things that please the Lord? See, to be carnal-minded is to think on the things of the world. Think on things of self. Really, the self is the whole issue. But the spiritual mind is is to think about and to think on the things that please the Lord. Uh, You know, the natural man pursues those things which gratify the flesh. Uh, In Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Paul talks about this when he wrote to the church of Philippi in Philippians chapter 3 in verse 17. He said, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which mark um, them which walk, so as you have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and I'll tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, notice, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. So they're seeking after the earthly things or the things of this world. They're seeking to satisfy the flesh. That's a carnal-minded person. Carnal-bisom. You know, you know, Paul said in Galatians 5.26, Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and bringing one another. Again, those are the things that, that are carnal-minded. You know, the natural man rebels against Right standards and purposes. You know, God has a lot of established standards, you might say. Or order of things. You know, music has an order. Melody, harmony, and rhythm. There's three parts to music. Melody, harmony, and rhythm. It's interesting that Ephesians 5 says, speaking to yourselves and... Not speaking to yourselves... Making melody in your heart to the Lord. He doesn't say making rhythm in your heart to the Lord. If you made rhythm in your heart to the Lord, you know what that would be like? You know those cars that pull up beside you and want every whole world to hear their so-called music and it vibrates your windows? That's all rhythm. It's all rhythm. That's all that is. There's no melody. And no harmony. It's just all rhythm. No, God established music and even good secular musicians will tell you proper music is, melody is prominent, harmony is secondary, rhythm is minor. But see, the world reverses that. It's a rebellion against God's order. That's so all it is. You know, God clothed, clothed man. He said there's to be a distinction between genders and man has been cross dressing and undressing ever since. It's just rebellion against God. You know there's there's simple things. You know this is this is one of my this is one of my pet peeves. I never let my kids do it. I know most people say it's not a big deal, but you know a hat you know where the bill of the visor is supposed to be up front? That's the way it's made. Well, you see these rebels out in the world, they always do. They always got to turn around backwards. It's reversed. Uh, God made said man to have short hair, women to have long hair. And you know, there's rebellion against that. You know, the carnal mind is enmity of God. It's it's and the idea of enmity here is not just it's the enemy. It's hostile, it's hatred, it hates God's authority, and it wants to rebel against it. You're not telling me what to do, I'll do what I want. Okay. But understand, the fruit of being carly minded is, according to Romans 8, Now, God says that the normal Christian life is to be spirit-minded. Now, it's interesting. In the first seven chapters of the book of Romans, the Holy Spirit is only referred to twice. Here in chapter 8, it's referred to 19 times. 19 times in one chapter. In a spiritual-minded man, he directs his mind to things or interests of God. You know, walking in the Spirit means that the course, the direction, the progress of one's mind, his life is directed by the Holy Spirit. You know, it is a continued and progressive motion. A spiritual man's mind is drawn toward God because there, there is life there. You know, because because, uh, 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 you have life, your mind is drawn toward eating. Because you need to eat to sustain that life. Right? Okay? If you have spiritual life, you're going to be drawn. You're going to be drawn to... Spiritual things to sustain that spiritual life. Because there's spiritual life. The Spirit of God dwells in you, and He seeks to, He, he draws you to that, to that truth, to the truth of God's Word, and to th- the things and in interests of God. You see, it, it, it's an act of, notice verses 6 uh, and verse 10, 11. Verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Again, verse 10, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Now the word life here, it means active, vigorous. It's active and vigorous, devoted to God. Of course, the word quicken means to give life, to invigorate by spiritual power, to reanimate. Remember when King David had going over to Achish, King of Gath. And Achish gave him Ziklag. And then David would make raids on the south of different places and, 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 and destroy every, all the evidence and come back and 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 Achish would should ask him, well, where, where were you today? Oh, it's in the south of Judah. And I, he was lying, of course. But anyway, and so, to go long story short, he he would he the uh, was going to go to battle against Saul and the king in Israel, and David was going to go with him. Of course, he was not allowed to because the princes. But when they got back to Ziklag, they had, Ziklag had been burned, his whole family taken, and so. You know, they went, they pursued after those Amalek who had, who had taken the captives and they found this man in the field, faint. And the Bible says they gave him some water and some, I think some cakes of raisins or something, some figs, and they revived him. They reanimated him. You see, the spirit of life it animates us. It gives us vigor. Spiritual power. Somebody said that walking after the Spirit does not refer to our working, but our dependence on God's working and operation. Notice again verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be the Spirit of God dwelling in you, Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of the is. And again, there's a key word here. But in the spirit. It is he is the spirit of life. He is the invigorating power. It is he, verse 11, that will quicken your mortal body. To restore it to life. To invigorate it. To give it greater powers of life. Endued with new powers. Let's look at some illustrations of that. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. Acts 2 and verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And here they are, they are endued with new power. The Spirit gave them utterance to speak in our language chapter 4 verse 7 and 8 chapter 4 verse 7 and 8 it says and and when they had set them in the midst they asked. this is a good question but they didn't like the answer they should have said should have really set up and take notice here but by what power by what name have you done this and notice the guy who not too long before denied his lord three times says then, then it says about him, then Peter, filled with the what? Holy Ghost. Where do you all of a sudden get this boldness? Where do you all of a sudden get this power to stand before those who, who, who want to cause him harm and, and simply declare the truth? Knowing that they weren't going to like it. It says he was filled with the Holy Ghost. See, he's all of a sudden invigorated with power, not of himself, it's of the Spirit. Verse 31 says, When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. You know, they'd just been threatened. And I think they were even beaten. I can't remember if this, in this instance whether they beat them or not. I think they were just threatened. But here they are. They're, they're, they're continually speaking the word of God with boldness. Chapter 6 and verse 5. Chapter 6 and verse 5. says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Beccurius, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And drop down to verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, where did he get his power? Did great wonders and miracles among the people. Verse 15. And all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him, and notice this saw his face as, had, as it had been the face of an angel. Yeah, you would think. When they saw that, they would say, Oh, hold on here. Wait a minute. Um, maybe we reconsider what we're accusing this man of. But they didn't. Verse 55. says, But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus stand on the right hand of God. You see, the Spirit of God gives invigorating power, greater powers of life. He can do through you what you cannot do. If you'll just submit to Him. Walk in the Spirit. You know, it, so walking in the Spirit no, doesn't refer to our working, but our dependence upon God's working and operation. It refers to our subjection. You know, this, this means that the Christian life is a life of yielding all the dictates of our flesh and being in subjection to the Spirit. Notice it says here in verse 11 that He'll quicken your mortal body. He'll use that body of flesh you live in. He'll quicken that body, the flesh that you live in, and use it to do things that you couldn't do. Or would not do. It is your body under his leading or under his control. You know it really is. It's it's for us to examine everything by his sword. This is his sword. The sword of the spirit. And by this sword it lives or dies. That's what it means to be led of the spirit. Look at First uh, Corinthians chapter two. First Corinthians chapter two. First Corinthians two, verse nine. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. What man knoweth the things of man save the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. "...which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man." So the Spirit takes his sword, which is the Word of God, and tests things in our lives, and examines things in our lives, and brings them into submission to himself... And takes control. And will do things through us. That are not natural. You know, And that's what he did in the book. Of, think about it. It, it. If you read on in the book of Corinthians. Okay, chapter 3 he starts examining. And he starts cutting. Divisions. Chapter 3. Divisions. There's divisions among Some of you following, say I'm following Paul. Some Cephas. Some... Some Apollos and some saying you follow Christ. You know this is not spiritual. This is carnal. This is carnal. You're arguing among yourselves about, excuse me, dumb things. D U M dumb. Chapter four. Again, he examines them. Um, okay, let go to chapter. You know about being puffed up. Chapter 4 is about being puffed up. Some were puffed up. Who maketh thee to differ? Verse 7. Chapter 5. Uh, you got fornication among you. You need to get rid of that. Put the one out. Chapter 6. You're gone to the law before the world. Can't you not even judge the smallest matters? Isn't there anybody spiritual in your church? You, know, you can go on and on. You see, that, that's what it is to be filled with the Spirit. And you know the amazing thing is? You know what Church of Corinth did? They took care of all those things. They took care of all those things. That's not natural. That's a spiritual response. It was the fruit of the Spirit of God invigorating their mortal body. And Paul said when they would do that, they would enlarge their coast. You know what they were going to do? They were going to make themselves more useful to the Lord. That's what that means. More useful to the Lord. A more effective and better witness for the Lord. Ephesians 4 talks about, or Ephesians 5, I'm sorry, talks about being filled with the Spirit. Chapter 5, verse 18. Chapter 6 talks about uh praying in the spirit it says chapter 4 it says grieve not the spirit and so the spiritual minded man seeks after or minds the things that be of God not the things that be of the flesh now one word of caution here Spurgeon said this Observe carefully that the flesh is there. Your flesh is still there. He does not walk after it, but it is there. It is there, striving and warring, vexing and grieving. And it will be there until he is taken up into heaven. It is there as an alien and detested force, and not there so as to have dominion over him. He does not walk after it, nor practically obey it. He does not accept it as his guide, nor allow it to drive him into rebellion." Unquote. You know, and Of course, Paul talks here in chapter uh, 8, verse 5. They that are after the flesh do mind of the things less, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And when he wrote to the Galatians, he said that there, that, 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 uh, um, you know, that there was a war going on in his body. And, and, and you know, the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. But the spiritual man seeks after there is spiritual life. Which causes him to seek after or mind the things uh, be of God. That's the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life is led by the Spirit, it is active and vigorous, devoted to God. Notice again, verse 6 To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Notice verses 12 through 14. It says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So the normal Christian life is one that is, that is led by the Spirit. And you know, again, it's that active, of vigorous life that's devoted to God, that's blessed of God. Uh, it's characterized by righteousness. Notice verse 10. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So it's characterized by righteousness and mortifying or putting to death the deeds of the body. You know, there's a continual, and we'll look at this a little bit tonight, there's a continual process of putting off and putting on. And you and I have to continue to work at that. Putting off the things of the flesh and putting on the things that, of the Spirit. Ephesians 4 talks about that. So it's characterized by life and righteousness. It's also characterized by peace. By peace. Uh, Verse 6 again. Carly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know, peace, I've got this, this definition that says, according to the conception, distinctly peculiar to Christianity. Peace is peculiar to Christianity. It is, quote, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God and content with his earthly lot and whatsoever sort it is, unquote. So a spiritual spiritual man to be led of the Spirit is to have life, that invigorating power, and peace. And it's really contentment. Contentment is what it boils down to. You know, 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Spirit, the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, liberty, peace, contentment. That is the normal Christian life. But it is something that we have to continually submit to. You know, we live in a body of flesh. And as Galatians tells us, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. You know, I read one time this one old preacher said, you know, it's just sort of like, Two dogs battling inside me. And whichever one I say sick them to wins. There's a war going on. And Paul was referring to that war in chapter 7. But he says we have. We have been set free by Christ. We are not condemned. We have been given his spirit. Which gives us invigorating life. To enable us to live victorious. To accomplish, to allow God to work in us and bring about change in our life that only God can do. So the question is are we allowing God to work in our lives? Are we submitting to Him? Are we yielding to Him? You know, Romans 6 tells us we're to yield our members as instrument or servants of righteousness you know, have we have we have assurance that we are no longer condemned that we have Christ that we have life that we are in him you know, just like a soldier when he goes into the army The army gives him everything he needs to fulfill his role as a soldier. He equips him. God has given us everything that we need. He has equipped us with his spirit to enable us to overcome the flesh and the world and the devil. You know, that is the normal Christian life. It's a life of invigorating power. As we submit to the Spirit of God and yield our lives daily to Him, we can be be victorious in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that Spirit of life that dwells in us. You know, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. But if you have the Spirit of God, you have what you need. The question is does He have?